I think it. I think here's here's what I think is gonna happen, and <laughs> where what I think everyone wants: Phoenix and the Nets. Phoenix is a Cinderella story a little bit. They they came up from last year. Chris Paul is a scoring MVP, and then you have the Nets of three guys who all abandoned their previous teams and built the super team. And Welcome to the 81st episode of the Youth Out Sports Podcast. I am Jared, podcasting alongside the usual cohort of Lucas, Aiden, Bart, and Wyatt. Let's jump right into it with news we missed. Uh, Damian Lillard's public endorsement of Jason Kidd ended up backfiring as Jason Kidd was uncomfortable pursuing the job with that endorsement and withdrew from the search. Do you think they dodged a bullet, though, is my question. Yes, I feel like I I uh, yeah. Jason Kidd yeah. does not have a great track record yeah. as a head coach. He's a two-time honest. fired head coach. I mean, <laughs> how great is he as a head coach? I know people players love him, but I think he might be along the same line as oh, I already forgot the name, Derek Fisher. Who like you know yeah. they might like him, but mm. is he a great coach? Steve Nash maybe. Oh, Steve Ooh. Nash about to win the finals. Exactly. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's putting together great rotations and a, a per- perfect strategy. That's so, yeah, it's, the, it's all coaching. Exactly. It's all coaching. What he gets out of that team is wild. I don't know. Oh, There's yeah. not much there. there isn't. <laughs> in other news, we're going to switch sports real quick. Uh, in boxing, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather went the distance. I- I'm not sure what honestly happened. I didn't watch the the fight. Was Did it end in like a draw or something? Is that what happened? I think he or just no didn't decision? get knocked out, which is disappointing. But okay. I think that was it. It was like ESPN scored it that Mayweather won. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> Shock. People were like, oh, this was such a snooze fest. But you think they care? They probably agreed beforehand. Exactly. Let's each get paid like $100 million. Let's not do anything. Nobody has to get hurt. <laughs> it's like, why? Do, I don't know why people watched it. I don't know what people were expecting. But Mayweather and Paul are definitely not complaining. <laughs> yeah, I saw some tweet that was like, uh, yeah, no, it was it was funny. It was not that funny, actually. Anyway, <laughs> on ESPN uh, College Football News, Paul Feinbaum is just like on a freaking tear, ro- roasting like anybody that does not belong in the SEC. It was Jim Harbaugh, I think, earlier today, uh, earlier in the week. He had the audacity to say Texas football is no longer a relevant program. But I feel like the the fact that he was even speaking about Texas dismisses right. that claim. Don't they know that Texas is back? we are reminded every single year so i don't know how you could forget at this point (laughs) they're back uh and shifting back to the nba lebron james is actually going to be changing his number to six next season any doubt that this puts the lakers over the hump next year (laughs) yes (laughs) i mean think about the think about the last time lebron was six they made the finals for four straight years i mean you can also think about the last time he was 23 with a different team and they also made the finals so (laughs) sensing a pattern here he didn't alternate he didn't alternate was the problem so now now he's alternating he figured it out so yeah i saw a tweet that was like devin booker has the last signed jersey by lebron with 23 i was like until he switches back next year because yeah (laughs) Alrighty, uh, back to some more NBA, NBA news. Nikola or Nikola Jokic officially won the 2021 NBA. Is it the Kia NBA MVP? He won the NBA MVP. Congratulations, well deserved. Definitely. I mean, he was a clear front runner, right? I don't think anybody else was really even close, right? In terms of first place votes. Yeah. No, Steph no, got like was five like or something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely well deserved. Uh, and Lucas was pretty pissed that Derrick Rose got a first place MVP vote. Do you want to elaborate, Lucas? I mean, no. He got the same number of votes as Joel Embiid. I don't like. There's not much more to say than that. Okay. I mean, he 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 came off the bench, right? Like, I'm not that like. Yeah, there's he, no way that man yeah. MVP. <laughs> he came off the bench and didn't win sixth man of the year. Not saying anything yeah, to yeah. Derrick Rose, I, but he was he like get third more votes for sixth man of the year, or like I don't know if he got first place votes. I don't think he did. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. a good question. Yeah, he was third, I think, third or fourth in the in that voting, which you know seems warranted. But <laughs> so he's a top ten star in New York, right? And he got a first place MVP vote. That's like a pretty good season. Exactly. I would say resurrection. Uh, yeah. More New York news. Uh, Tom Thibodeau officially won the 2021 Coach of the Year, uh, which congrats to him. He definitely did a good job there. And Rudy Gobert won Defensive Player of the Year. 
and kind of capped it off emphatically with the block to end the game uh, last night. Mm-hmm. So that was that was exciting. And then last news before we tra- transition into our our full segments, the Euros start this weekend, which is I'm told a soccer tournament that happens every four years. In Europe. Um, mm-hmm. You would one, be one of my one of my uh, British <laughs> friends told. said that we should talk about this with like pretty much no knowledge, and then Bart and Lucas got offended that I said that in the group chat that we had no knowledge on it. So we'll see how smart <laughs> you guys actually are. Uh, I'm going to start with Lucas, actually. Who's who's winning, and what team are you like following? I mean, I think the favorite is France to win. Like, I think that's just un- objectively correct. Um, they won the World Cup last time. They are not much different of a team. They're more experienced, but they're not old. They've got some of the best players in the world. They've got Mbappe. They've got Pogba. They've got Conte. They've got like just a lot of really great players. Um, so I think they're the favorites. I would be, like, if I were a betting man, I'd put my money on them. Um, who I'm rooting for and who I'm following, though, is Italy. Uh, Italy is always my go-to in major tournaments, as I'm I'm Italian. Uh, if listen to the pod, we're aware of that. Fact. Why Whoa, would they dude, be? I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, fun fact: In Philadelphia, um, a, like a, a group of people tried to per- petition for Italians to be a uh, listed as a persecuted minority in the city of Philadelphia. So, uh, off tangent. That's my latest fun Italian fact. Anyway, so. Um, Anyway, I like Italy. I'm Italian, but they're in sort of they're a team in sort of a weird transition period, which I think puts them as a really good team to be like a dark horse candidate to win. They won the World Cup in 06 and then made the Euro Finals in 2012. But most of the guys who played around that time got old, and they ended up just keep playing those old guys with like a sprinkling of like very very young guys, um, and it kind of caused the team to fall apart. They didn't even qualify for the last World Cup, um, but. I think that they're sort of back on track. Their manager, Roberto Mancini, is very highly esteemed manager. Guided Manchester City to their first uh, Premier League title in 45 years back in 2012. Um, and he's gotten the team playing really well. And they have a lot of exciting young talent. Guys like Gianluigi Donnarama, Nicola Varela. That's a great and, name. Uh, yeah, Gianluigi Donnarama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great name. <laughs> and Manuel Locatelli. So I think that they're going to be a they're a good dark horse to win. They've been playing really, really well recently, so I'll be watching out for them. Okay. Uh, Aiden. I'm going with Belgium, uh, much like Lucas. Lucas is Italian. Everyone knows I'm Belgian. Um, no, I'm not actually Belgian. But uh, I think Belgium is apparently the only national team in the world to top the FIFA rankings without having won a World Cup or a Euro. Um, they topped the rankings in November 2015, uh, they were third in the World Cup and the last World Cup. They have a ton of talent. Um, Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, <laughs> just butcher that name. Uh, <laughs> Lukaku, the worst classic. Like De, De, De <laughs> no, I looked up stuff that said that it wasn't that, and said it was that was the American pronunciation of it. Oh, because I've always said that that's true. Um, <laughs> but I still don't have a conclusive um, result on this. Uh, but anyway. Um, though he is he is dealing with an orbital fracture, so we'll we'll see what what happens here. So that's from rough the for, League final. I think so. Yeah, because I left it right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but anyway, so they have a, a pretty intriguing group, a lot of talent, and they can be like the this is you know this is the time for them to kind of break this this long winless streak in terms of the the big tournaments. So I'm going with Belgium. All right, all right, Aiden. What about uh, Bart? What's your what's your pick? Yeah, I mean, I think Lucas and Aiden have the right idea. It's going to be a francophone country. It's going to be France or Belgium, probably. Like, I think between the two of them, it's like ninety percent odds. Um, the team I'm going to be following has 08 percent odds. From what I was looking at, Poland, of course, I'm going to be cheering for them. I will say this: Lewandowski did just break the record in uh, the Bundesliga for goals in a season, held by Gerd Müller for like 50 years or something like that. So maybe if he can carry them, they'll do better than 0.8%. But yeah, I think it's going to be France most likely actually winning. <laughs> not really, yeah, like Lucas said, it's not. Bart, the really disrespect changed. for the, the Flemish-speaking parts of Belgium <laughs> calling <laughs> a Francophone country. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> I don't, really I don't, really, you're gonna, I don't <laughs> really associate Belgium with that, though. You're gonna, <laughs> our Belgian listeners like, are not going to be happy. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to see gonna, such a huge drop. Like, the hate mail coming in from Antwerp over the next few weeks. <laughs> from yeah. Well, the podcast might crumble now without the support. It's a good run. Why? Wyatt, I, I, do I dare ask who's your pick? Yeah, well, due to a lot of research, I picked North Macedonia. <laughs> Uh, who, yeah. The the last Cinderella story in the Euros in 2004 was Greece, according to a lot of research. That they were the smallest country to win, and I think North Macedonia is listed as a development country. As it is my pick now to be the next smallest team to win. And actually, after a little bit more research, it turns out that uh, Macedonia is a country I've never heard before that is now re- recognized by Greece and their neighbors, and their it's a part of Greece. So, Greece Part Two coming soon. Macedonia wins it all. I thought you said, I thought you were saying that <laughs> from my research, I've determined that I didn't know what North Macedonia was. If I'm being transparent. There's yeah, I'm not sure beef. I knew that was a country either. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole beef with them in Greece um, where like there's a region of Greece called Macedonia and they're like, we won't mm-hmm. recognize you as a country until you change your name. So it used to just be Macedonia. And now they're like North Macedonia. Right. I, so like, I read that it was like in 2018 they yeah. settled the dispute. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, funny. man. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I called dibs on France. That's why nobody else picked them. Have I watched a single game of international soccer since the Men's World Cup? No. But I did watch every single game that year back in 2018. I lived in Paris at the time. It was really crazy. I felt really unsafe when they won the uh, championship, actually. Uh, but it was also cool. All the boats on the Seine and like cars awesome. on the street were honking. I mean, no, I was serious. I seriously felt pretty unsafe. I was like, I'm getting out of here. Uh, went, went to the suburbs, but uh, I do know a lot of the players. Like Pogba, Lucas, you remember? He's a freaking cheat code in FIFA 19, whatever game we were playing. He is. Yeah. You can just RT, just sprint down the freaking field with him, and nobody will catch him. Obviously, Pogba's Mbappe. like the least of their hacks. Yeah. Mba- yeah. Mbappe wasn't that quick in the game. I don't remember. I remember Pogba being better. But Mbappe is probably quicker in real life, right? Griezmann, uh, Giroud, who Olivier Giroud, I believe is how you say it, who mm-hmm. everybody loves, but I remember doing pretty much nothing in the World Cup. He just had two goals in the friendly, though, so that's that's a that's a good sign. Um, so yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going France for sure. Allez les Bleus, right, Lucas? That's how you say it. Cool. Yep. <laughs> that was that was a, a nice little intro. We're going to get into our NBA topics for the rest of the episode and finish with some NFL with Julio Jones. Let's 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 stay in Dallas though. Um similar to Damian Lillard, Luka Luka Doncic carried a ragtag group of players only to fall short in the Mavs series against the Clippers. In game 7, he assist scored or assisted on like 77 points or something like that, which is crazy. Bart, what do the Mavs need to do to help Luka? I don't want to mince words. <laughs> the Mavs are pretty screwed. Mm. That's that's my analysis. Let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Um, let's. Okay, so obviously Kristaps is a problem, and ideally Kristaps needs to go. Um, like, I think it's pretty clear. You can tell from these playoffs. He doesn't seem to be a suitable second, um, like, option two to Luka. Um, it seems like his injuries have weighed him down. He used to be a really good defender. Actually, I didn't realize this. In New York on the Knicks, he used to lead the league in block percentage. Mm-hmm. He's nowhere near that anymore. Um, he, yeah, he, he just like he had four rebounds, I think, per game this series, even though he's seven foot three, so he's not really capable uh, there either. And then, yeah, I mean, he's just not like basketball is obviously a rhythm game, and Luka dominates the ball a ton, so Kristaps doesn't get a ton of touches anyway. But like, I think they need to aim for somebody who's more. Who can be more of a ball handler if Luca can, you know, manage to give the ball up? He like led the league in um, percentage of time owning the ball on his team in the first round or something like that, which is nuts. By like over two minutes, Trey Young was second. I thought that was fun, but anyway. So option one is try to get rid of Kristaps. But uh, the main reason I said that they're screwed is that the Mavs are going to have a very hard time actually getting rid of Kristaps and or signing new talent. Uh, let me elaborate on that. So, for one thing, Luca is going to be signing, most likely, going to be signing a max contract this offseason. He's yeah. probably going to be the first player ever to get a $200 million one. So, because of the Derrick Rose rule, he can get like 30% of the yeah. cap or whatever. So, he and Kristaps are both going to be on max contracts. Kristaps made more than like Giannis this season. 
He made more than Devin Booker. He made more than a few people. It just makes no sense. So, again, if they can't get rid of Kristaps, how are they going to sign people? You also have to consider that this offseason, there aren't a ton of great free agents. Like, I think Kawhi is really the only main one left. Uh, I think it's safe to assume he's not going to be signing with the Mavs after they just beat the Mavs. Chris Paul, I think, is also going to be free, but he's most likely going to want to re-sign with the Suns. He is going to be getting a bigger contract as well because he definitely earned it this year. So what are the Mavs going to do? They definitely need to sign Tim Hardaway or re-sign Tim Hardaway. He was actually quite good for them in the playoffs. But, of course, he's going to get a lot of money, or at least he's going to deserve a lot of money mm-hmm. because he did so well in the playoffs. So it's not even a given that they'll be able to like actually sign him. Uh, other than that, I think they just need to shoot for like some 3 and D guys because clearly like Luca does so much for them offensively, I think they need to surround him if they can. Like if they have to choose, they need to surround him with players who can defend better. Um, and then like honestly, I think what their real long-term strategy needs to be is wait a few years, possibly wait until Kristaps is off the books in 2024, <laughs> and that's when you go for another big-time signing. I think they were banking on signing Giannis this offseason. Obviously, they can't do that. They don't have a ton of trade capital. They can't trade a first-round pick until, like, 2025 because of the NBA's rule that you can't lose back-to-back first-round picks. So, like, what are they going to do? Like, they seriously, their hands are really tight, I think. If they can sign a few, like, you know, better role players this offseason, that's an option. But I think they're mostly going to have to be rolling it back next year with the same core squad. I got to think, though, that there's a team out there that will eat up Kristaps' freaking huge contract there always is it seems like you might get nothing really in return okay the celtics are getting thrown out there a lot the celtics are as well as like the thunder kind of randomly got thrown out there in terms of the betting odds i wouldn't be i wouldn't be shocked if they're somehow able to move him i mean like i don't know i don't i can't really think of an nba comparison but we've seen it a lot like in the nfl people i mean you're not gonna get that much in return but like they can move well contracts John Wall and Russell Westbrook both got traded. Yeah. We have two, so two of the worst. I mean, I get, I know they got traded for each other, but they both have two of the worst contracts in the league. But they're both and, actually good or like decent. Yeah. Well, Kristaps okay. was good. Kristaps oh, yeah. is like a non-factor now. What about what about the narrative though that Rick Carlisle was using him for spacing, and that's why he doesn't he wasn't around the rim as much. Do you think do you think Detroit, some of the blame yeah. can be pushed on him, on the coaching? I mean, I definitely think Carlisle could have done a better job of asking Luca to give up the ball. Mm. And, yeah, using Kristaps differently. That's fair. But, like, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? Like, maybe he was doing that because he didn't feel Kristaps was capable yeah. of doing much yeah. else anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> but he has a hard time posting up even now. Even though he's 7'3", it's like, yeah. and what he was are you going to have him do? pushed around in the paint when he was going up for rebounds. It was crazy. Yeah. Also, in terms of the rumors of Krista, of him to, like, the Celtics and stuff, like, that would be in return for, like, Kemba, right? Or right. Like, I feel like I've also mm-hmm. seen for, like, Bradley Beal. And, like, not that maybe yeah. maybe that would make them better, but I feel like in order to get rid of Kristaps, they're going to be taking on someone else's contract and someone who I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't say Kemba is going to, you know, put the Mavs over the top, you know? No. Yeah. I do think Beal is, like, a good name that, like, I mean, like, whether the that deal has any sort of feasibility is, like, another question. I think I tend towards, like, no of, like, a Kristaps for Beal trade, obviously, with other things involved. But, like, he's the type of guy that I think makes a lot of sense. He, I think it takes a little bit off the pressure of Luka to score while it's not somebody who necessarily takes away his ball handling. Like, because I think that's, like, a huge part of Luka's game is his distribution um, and his ability to, like, I don't know, like Bart mentioned, he had had the ball in his hands two minutes on average more than Trey Young, who was next best. But, like, (laughs) I, like... I think he does it in part because he feels like he has to score all the time. Um, and I think he can sort of, like, grow other areas of his game if there's, like, a true number two scorer who isn't ball dominant. And that's sort of what Beal is. So I think that's somebody who would pair nicely with him. Yeah. In that case, do you give up Tim Hardaway Jr. or do you let him go free? Because I feel like that's kind of the, like, yeah. only so many guard slots. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like he's just, like, a straight upgrade over him, you know? So, like, why? Like, yeah. I think that that's... Yeah worth it i would say you only keep tim hardaway jr if you don't have a possibility of landing a big star like bradley bill trading for him some other way if you have to give him up for an asset i absolutely say you go for it especially a guy like bradley bill who will continue to be in trade rumors until the day he retires from the nba or at least (laughs) until he gets traded from washington but uh like like we were saying earlier i think that they're gonna have to take on another bad contract and i know kemba walker is thrown out there uh, maybe a team like the Portland, or excuse me, the 
Golden State Warriors who do use a lot more spacing and probably could use a big man like Porzingis to add more spacing and then not expect him to do much around the post. They could trade him for Andrew Wiggins. I know that they're just trading bad contract for bad contract for bad contract, but it could be an option for them. I know they have Wiseman, so maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Uh, Sacramento could go for Buddy Heald and trade him away. I know that there is a little bit of beef between Buddy Heald and, I guess, Luke Walton and the organization. He wanted to be paid a lot of money. They didn't really pay him a lot of money. He wanted to be used a lot. They didn't really use him a lot. So there's a chance that he gets out of there. He is a good shooter, so he might be able to add more to a spot-up shooter type role that the Mavericks don't have. But my main pick is Zach Levine, who's been buried behind the rubble of Chicago. I think he's a really good star. He hasn't exactly made an all-star team. But if you put him next to a guy as dynamic as Luka, putting Zach Levine next to him, who can also be a primary ball handler, I think would both blossom would blossom both of their careers and uh, push them into the Western Conference Finals. But like, who would the who can the Mavs trade that would actually make a compelling trade for Levine? Uh, it would have to be Tim Hardaway Jr. and Porzingis. You're gonna have to get rid of Porzingis, and I think a team's gonna do oh. it, maybe for cash considerations or yeah, something like that. But especially when you look at the bottom feeder teams, they kind of make some like weird trades that um, <laughs> are, aren't really motivated by like winning. I don't know. Well, yeah, but like the yeah, the Mavs are the gonna have thunder. a hard time putting draft picks in trades too though it's like um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's true yeah. all right the draft picks want? have significantly less value on the nba yeah that's true mm-hmm. i mean you you don't trade like a second nobody cares about the second in fact uh yeah. nicole Jokic was the only it was like yeah. the latest pick to win an mvp so oftentimes second rounders don't exactly make a huge impact for your team and most first rounders just get traded around anyway so i don't know if if it's exactly that big of a deal to them Charlotte might be a team that I, that would also take them on. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But. All right, we'll be watching that closely. Let's move on to the Hawks Sixers series. The Hawks beat the Sixers in Game One. Um, Sixers tied it up in Game Two. Embiid kind of went off on a torn meniscus or whatever the heck his injury is. Uh, Trey Young is also public enemy number one in Philadelphia. <laughs> they were they were chanting that Trey Young was balding, kind of copying it from New York. Lucas, are you worried, though, that the Hawks could actually knock off the Sixers in this series? Uh, as long as Embiid is playing, no, not really. I think, realistically, I'd say Sixers in six. I think game one was a bit of a fluke for a few reasons. First, for some unknown reason, they chose to have Danny Green be the primary defender on Trey Young instead of Ben Simmons or Matisse <laughs> Thybul, and he went off, like, as you would absolutely predict on. Like, Danny Green is a fine, competent defender, but he's old. And, like, just clearly, like, the third or fourth, maybe even fifth best defender on the Sixers. So I don't really understand why Doc Rivers chose to put Trey on him. And by the time they, like, remedied that in the second half, like, the damage was done. Like, they had a late rally and almost came back, but it was too much. Um, When Simmons became the primary defender on Trey uh, in the last game, in game two, Trey was 6 for 16 from the field and 1 for 7 from 3. And, like, if you can get something close to that, even, like, allow slightly more... um, production out of Trey each game they're going to be absolutely fine um I think the rest of the Hawks team is not good enough to beat the Sixers if you can even just contain Trey um like the supporting cast of like Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Capella like is like fine but it's like not a team that's going to beat the Sixers if Trey isn't going off second the Sixers bench played horrifically in game one like they there was a, they didn't score i think there was a stretch where like it was they played an all bench lineup and they went 0 for 8 from the field and had three turnovers which is just like as bad of basketball as you can play and then they did it again in game 2 they didn't score a single bench point in the first half but then they sort of turned it on in the second half they went on a 20 i think it was a 23 to 4 run to just sort of put the game away at the beginning of the fourth quarter um and i think like the sixers bench despite some early struggles has really done well all season and they just totally underperformed in the game, first game and a half of the series. So I think he'll get a bit of mean reversion there. Jake Milton played really well last game. Dwight Howard played really well last game. Um, and I think if you can get good production out of those guys and maybe get some good minutes out of uh, Max or Korkmaz uh, or Mike Scott or guys like that, then I think they're going to be fine. I think the Hawks will probably win one more probably. I think they'll split the games in Atlanta, but then the Sixers will put them out in the last two after that. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he's get if MB is gonna go for forty and thirteen on, is it a torn meniscus? Am I right on that? Yeah, this, but like yes, but no. Is it still yeah, actually like what, injured? What is going on? Yeah. If he's gonna go, if he's gonna go off for forty and thirteen, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. 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 So it's a small <laughs> meniscus tear, which is playable on clearly. I mean, he scored forty <laughs> points on. It's <laughs> <laughs> like better with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So then I'm going to ask the group this. Barring any injury from Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, what do you think the Hawks have to do in order to win the game or win the series? Trey just has to go yeah. like supernova every single game. Yeah. Is essentially what has to happen, I think. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I mean, it does seem like the like since the first half of game one. He has not been supernova. Whenever like the Sixers D has something to do with them. So yeah, I mean he was like six for sixteen in game two. Twenty one mm-hmm. points. Like if yeah, if Trey's not scoring like thirty-five or forty per game, like honestly, I don't think yeah, like the Hawks are gonna win the game, to be honest. Yeah. yeah I mean you just have to have basically happen what happened in game one, in which the Sixers mm-hmm. bench is horrific. You have Trey going off. And you have like limit and Ben Simmons missing a thousand free throws, like which is what he's shooting thirty. Yeah, he's shooting thirty-two percent from the free throw line in the playoffs so far. Thirty-two percent. So bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean he's fantastic at literally every other game of every other part of the game of basketball except for shooting the ball. But it's like it's tough that that's the one part that he's bad at. Like if he were a bad rebounder. (laughs) <laughs> Who would notice that? He's a point guard, but I don't know. Yeah, that's true. He's got to go underhand. Hack a There's bend. no excuse at this point. Yeah, exactly. Hack yeah, a exactly. bend should be the move. Yeah. They, they subbed him out. I forget when it was. Like, at some point in the game when it was close yesterday, they subbed him out because, like, they were like, we don't want him missing free throws, essentially. I think it was, like, the end of the third quarter. The Hawks had, like, just gone up one or something like that. Mm-hmm right before the big bench run and doc like took him out when they were on offense and put him back in when they were on defense. So they didn't hack him right at the end of the third <laughs> and put him in the bonus and all that. So. Mm. so Lucas, let me ask you another question then. Are you worried about the 76ers uh, championship aspirations if Ben Simmons can't hit his free throws or if he's such a liability on the offensive side of the floor? Like, I don't think he's a liability on the offensive end of the floor writ large because he's his distribution is so good. Um, like he's not, a, he's never terrible from the field. He just doesn't shoot the ball a lot. Like a lot was made last night of him only scoring four points. He was two for three from the field. Like he didn't just didn't shoot a lot. Um, and the way, like I think if you watch the team with Ben Simmons versus without Ben Simmons, there's just a huge difference in the way they play in the ball movement and. I, I notice this every single game. He usually, within the first three or four minutes, will drive right to the hoop, show that he can score, and then because there's that threat there, he can do that later of the the game and really kick out to the three-point shooters. And the defenders will crash in on him as he drives into the paint because they know he has the potential to score because he's done it earlier in the game. And I think you lose that if anybody else plays. Um, I mean, the, the, the concerning thing to me is just the free throws. Like, that's bad. Like, it's just, there's absolutely no excusing it. Um, but, I don't know. Team Shaq was an awful free-throw shooter. You know, the Lakers won some championships. Like, I, I'm worried about the Sixers' championship aspirations <laughs> because I just don't think they're as good as the Nets. I don't think it's necessarily due to, like, I don't know, Ben Simmons specifically. I just think they're just, like, they just don't have the talent that the Nets do. Yeah. Moving on to the Nets, by the way. <laughs> There are basically two super teams remaining, I guess, the Nets and the Clippers. Nets, definitely probably more so of a super team. But the Nets have won, won games one and two, game two pretty decisively against the Bucks and without James Harden. Uh, meanwhile, the Clippers barely squeak by, squeaked by the Mavs and then lost in a nail-biter to the Jazz. Um, so, Aiden, I'm going to ask you this real quick. Don't... Don't the Nets kind of resemble something similar to what the NBA community feared with the Clippers 
And by that, I mean a team that like didn't need to develop chemistry and could just like, oh, we're just going to assemble all this talent. And in the playoffs, we're all going to be really good. Do you think yeah. that's kind of what the Nets are? And is this like a problem for the NBA? Mm-hmm. What do you kind of make of this take? Yeah, I, I no, I think that's kind of fair. And I think I do think the Nets have always had more potential than the Clippers did, even though it feels like coming into, you know, last year, like the, the Clippers hype was crazy. And it yeah. wasn't anywhere near the like the Nets hype either that year when they had all those like, you know, guys out um, for the year with injury or this year. Um, and I feel like that's, you know, it was the height of the Kawhi craze. Um, Kawhi was untouchable. He was coming off a title. Um, so there was so much hype around the Clippers. I thought they were going to be better than the Lakers. I was pretty convinced on that. <clears throat> and I'm not sure if the Nets hype ever matched that because KD came and then play for a year and Kyrie was injured pretty much all that first year. Um, then when Harden showed up this year, everyone was like coming off an injury and it just like, it didn't feel like the hype was entirely there. Um, and I do think it's true that I think the Nets um, have more guys that you view as like non-chemistry guys than say the Clippers. I feel like I viewed Kawhi kind of as like fitting in anywhere to some degree. Like he'd, you know, he'd fit into a team and make them good. Um, I mean, he did that on the Spurs. He fit in on the Raptors. He did that. He fit in. Um, Is he doing like, that on the Clippers? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think the Clippers woes are like largely on Kawhi. But yeah, not as much. But like with the Nets guys, I mean, KD, like all three of them, they're all ball dominant guys. I feel like the narrative is always like they won't be able to work together, which again, I kind of bought into. Um, but they're, they're so talented that it doesn't seem like it really matters at the moment. Um, and I don't think like they haven't had the hardest road so far in the playoffs. Uh, so that, that probably is something to do with it, but yeah, they're making the bucks like a a good team look not, not great so far. Um, (laughs) so, so it's, it is, it is interesting that they, they don't seem to have an issue with the fact that, you know, like all of them are, have to take a ridiculous amount of shots per game. Um, and we saw like Harden this year was more of a distributor than I think he's ever been, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's you know generally been a solid passer, but he kind of took on that role a bit more to kind of fit in. Um, as for whether it's a problem, I don't really, I don't really think it's a problem. I mean, I'm not, I don't like the Nets, um, <laughs> but I kind of like that they're villains, and I don't know what we can do to stop this kind of thing without you know, weirdly stepping in and being like, no, you can't have three guys who can average upper 20s per game and scoring. Like, um, So I, I don't really think it's an issue, um, but they do seem to be like what people feared the Clippers would be, like, plus that. Um, and obviously the Clippers have not fully realized at all what I think everyone was kind of scared of. I, I do think it's going to encourage, like, we're going to see more players mm-hmm. trying this, mm-hmm. which I don't think bodes well. Whether they'll ever be as successful, probably not. But, uh, yeah, like, I feel mm-hmm. like, like, Kawhi, like, we're already hearing rumors, Kawhi to the Warriors, right? Which is, like, <laughs> we, we do the whole Kevin Durant thing. Yeah, yeah, I just feel like people, especially if the Nets win this year, they're going to be like, yeah, holy cow. I think the crux of it is that Kevin Durant is still unguardable. They're only this good because he's, like, he's still fantastic. Nobody else could yeah. really go to another team and thrive like that. But, yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah. It, you get, like, Chris Paul, Chris Paul getting denied to the Lakers vibes from it. Yeah. As far as, like, what could the NBA do about it? But I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think they could. Yeah. Right? Like, you just kind of have to take it. Start cutting the yeah. salary cap or something if the NBA really wanted to make a move. But I think players are going to start wanting to take, you know, pay cuts just because they think there's an opportunity to get rings yeah. like this. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're saying this is going to start happening more, but, like, has it's not already been the yeah. trend for like the last ten yeah. years in the NBA? Like we had the, the Heat. Well, we had the first big three with the Celtics, and then the Heat super team, and then KD joining the Warriors. So like, I don't know. I feel like there have been some successful cases of it before. Mm-hmm. But but of everybody like kind of going and like meeting up in one spot rather than like like KD to the Warriors was like kind of an addition. Yeah. The Nets is like a completely new thing. <laughs> I don't think has I don't know if like any super team in like this era has won in their first year. Did the Celtics win in the their Celtics first year? The Celtics did, I think. Right. Dang it. Then. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking of LeBron's team. I'm yeah. thinking of beat them. They, yeah, they're not, yeah. they didn't win the first mm-hmm. yeah. year. Sure. And the, the Celtics, Celtics also didn't yeah. win again. Yeah. 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 They went so, to the I mean, finals a bunch, hard. but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but 
but the Celtics was somewhat so well the Celtics and the Heat scenarios were pretty similar in that everyone was meeting in one place in those right I, I definitely think you're right that the Warriors case was kind of kind of <laughs> different yeah, but there have been a bunch of cases at this point where everyone just calls up and three guys meet in the same place and generally only one of but, them was on there originally. Mm. But the it's it always falls in the responsibility of the ownership group and the GMs to put together winning teams. Because if eventually if let's say four or five years down the road, Luca just is still not winning games, they haven't found a guy to replace Porzingis, he's putting up forty two in the playoffs and he's not getting any further, would it be his problem or would it be his fault? If he decided to leave and join Trey Young and Jason Tatum somewhere else, if J- if Trey Young does the same thing, yep. I I think that the Nets are a little bit unique because the veterans are three veterans who are different mentally uh, <laughs> than most play- other players have been in the league. Kevin Durant and Kyrie are, and James Harden are all a little, I guess, strange as far as the way that they think. Kevin Durant thought that the Golden State Warriors were an underdog, and that's why he went there, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, if if five years down the road, Giannis doesn't get any further, and I think that's more his fault. But if it happens again, and they don't add anybody else, eventually play, players are going to leave, and I don't think it's a, it's going to be a common trend where teams just start people just start teaming up. And, I, and it might just be one of those things where five teams in the league have most of the superstars, and then we just start seeing those guys win championships. Hmm. I do think maybe though we need to hold our horses a little bit on this year. Like, the Nets have not won a title yet. Yes, slow down. Slow down. It's fair <laughs> Like, as you said, they're only... I feel like they're like, the clear they're... favorites, though, right, at this point. Yeah, the way that they're tearing up the, the Bucks, I would say yeah. that they're the favorites. Because I thought the Bucks were going to win this series. Right now, it looks like yeah. they're going to get swept. Yeah. I just, like... Like Jared said, there, there are eight teams left in the playoffs, and only two you could even really make an argument for being super teams at this point. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Obviously different scenarios, but like in a lot of these cases, but like who knows? Like the Jazz could go on a run and win the title yeah. or the Sixers could beat the Nets mm-hmm. in the next round. Or you know, like well, none of these things are like in my mind right now like the most likely scenarios. Like it could all fall apart for them. Like the Sixers are like a very good cohesive chemistry team and I think have a good shot against the Nets. They beat them at full strength this season. Mm-hmm. So like something like that could happen. And then we we're not even having this debate. So like, I, not mm-hmm. to like you know derail yeah. it, but I think that like get back to me in in late July, and I might answer <laughs> differently than I am now. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody want to see a Nets Clippers final? Does anybody want to see that? I think everybody loses, and that's because I think <laughs> everyone's rooting for the Clippers to lose, and I would say most of the NBA world is rooting for the Nets to lose as well. Yeah. 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 yeah, I like I love watching the finals every single year. It's like one of my favorite sporting events. But if that were to happen, like, <laughs> I think feel for me would be low. I think it. I think here's here's what I think is gonna happen, and where <laughs> what I think everyone wants: Phoenix and the yes. Nets. Yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix is a Cinderella story a little bit. They they came up from last year. Chris Paul is a scoring MVP, and then you have the Nets of three guys who all abandoned their previous teams and built this super team and don't care what the rest of the world thinks or maybe care too much, whichever way you look at it. But mm. I think that that would be a good, good versus bad. The Nets would, I think, clobber them. But, <laughs> you know, it could be a breakout for Aiton and Booker. Yeah. But that's what I'm I think that'd for. be that's a fun I'm series. That's what I want to see as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I would like no disrespect Sixers to the Sixers, but. Yeah, I'd rather see Sixers. Um, oh. But yeah, Suns are definitely, definitely Suns out of the yeah, West. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I was. But I was Jazz looking, would be fun. Anyway. I was no looking for the Nuggets. Okay. No, no, the Nuggets no, are no, boring. No. They're losing two of their start. They like have two of their starters gone, right? So Will Barton's coming really. back, but okay. Uh, I was looking at our Instagram the other day, as I do when I post, and I noticed uh, my one of our very first. I think it was our very first post. Lucas said that the Utah Jazz are going to make it to the Western Conference Finals, and I wanted to shine some light on that because it's looking pretty good so far. Hey, I said the Suns were going to make it to the Western Conference Finals in like week two of this season. (laughs) (laughs) Go back. Was it a bucket? Was it a bucket? Yeah, Yeah, Lucas was a bucket too, but it says, I'll book it that the Utah Jazz make the Western Conference Finals. 
when it's the Suns Jazz Western Conference. Let's go, Finals, Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cloud nine. I never made an official pick. Lucas, we I should yeah. for the Suns. Lucas, we should make our own podcast. We should get, <laughs> yeah. get rid of this. What? These amateurs. Yeah. We no, don't, we don't we need can, them. Yeah. <laughs> we could get a Patreon and people could pay like extra a month just to hear it and I talk about the NBA. <laughs> just to make picks. Exactly. I want to throw a curveball real quick in the outline because I was watching the Nets game and I've been looking at the box score and I'm really disappointed in Giannis and it's specifically because we this is the Ben Simmons problem that we've had the last couple of years where he hasn't really developed his game much further. And I think Giannis is – I thought the series was going to be better and we wouldn't talk about the Nets the same way, about how oh, super teams are going to be the next big trend again and the duo era is, era is over that was like the last year. But the Bucks should be a super team, yeah? But I think Giannis is just not built to be a number one. If you think about a guy on the court uh, who can just get you a bucket at any point, He's a seven-footer, but where is Giannis going to get his buckets? In the paint? Is he a dominant post player? No. Does he drive to the lane better than anyone else? No. Does he cross anyone up? No. Is he going to hit you in the mid with an elbow? No. We know he doesn't have a three-point shot. So, I mean, is is Giannis legitimately a number one guy? Or do the Bucks really need to start looking at mo- uh, moving their roster around? I don't think you can look at a two-time NBA MVP and say he's not a number one, though. It's the problem. But Jared, like, is, sure, he hasn't won a guy, title, but, is, but he, is he a number but he, one? Is, is he, he not a number one guy? No. Yes. No, I think so. Uh, there was a there was a good quote from I, I saw this posted on Instagram the other day from Harden a couple of years back where he said about Giannis, <laughs> "I wish I could be seven feet, run, and just dunk. That takes no skill at all. I got to actually learn how to play basketball and how to have skill, and I'll take that any day." <laughs> I love the Harding Giannis beef, but wow. I mean, yeah, there is a little bit of truth because in the playoffs mm-hmm. it slows down, and you got to play a little bit more half court basketball. And Giannis's half court basketball game is very weak for a guy we call a superstar. Mm-hmm. Where is his, where is he going to get a bucket for you, Jared? Game on the line. Kawhi is going to do what? Kawhi is going to dribble mid range. Where's Steph going to get a bucket? He's going to cross somebody up. Boom, three pointer. Deep three, Dame, deep three from the logo, Trey, deep three from the logo, Luca, anywhere you want him to. Oh, Embiid in the paint. He's going to hit you. He's going to be a big postman. I mean, but it, you give the ball to Giannis in the half court and you say the game is on the line. Give me a bucket. You feel confident in that, Jared? Is that the only thing that, that goes into being a number one, though? Is when it question. comes to Do being a superstar now? that wins playoff games? Yes. <laughs> Devin okay. Booker. Fade away, Kobe. Fade away. No, you can't pay. Mike put Devin away. Booker ahead of him. But you can as make far, a like a game tying, a game winning shot in the paint, can't you? That's not like I know we all picture <laughs> but, but someone how, but shooting how a is he long go distance about three. Doing he doesn't oh, drive post to lane well. <laughs> but he doesn't have a post game either. I I, uh, I mentioned it. He was either before the All Star break or in the summer that Giannis has to do something with his game, and I don't think it has to be a three point shot, but he has to be a good post player. He, he's great in transition. He is a seven-footer who can just run and dunk. Nobody can stop him. But when he, but in a half court, he's just not that guy. Not yet. Okay, but Giannis in the series has been efficient, at least. I think Chris Middleton needs to get a little more hate. Chris, I thought Chris Middleton was better than this. I don't even know who the Nets have who's like a good defender, but they're making him look pretty, yeah. pretty suspect. And Giannis is, I agree with you that Giannis is not going to carry this team on his own. Middleton was supposed to be the scoring guy to compliment him, yeah. and he's been pitiful against the Nets. So yeah. I would say that's more Middleton concerning than Giannis not having a jump shot. Middleton's a three. That's why I'm not screaming <laughs> hate <for> Middleton. <laughs> okay, I guess there are varying schools of thought on that. <laughs> Alrighty, let's let's move on then to our NFL segment to end the show. The Tennessee Titans obviously won the Julio Jones sweepstakes and and traded for him, acquired him, only surrendering a second and fourth round pick to get him. Wyatt, how important is this trade for the Titans and Falcons, respectively? Okay. First and foremost, I feel like this was a no-brainer for Tennessee to make. Uh, Despite Julio Jones' large contract, a second and a fourth really provides no risk for for the Titans at all. And actually, if you look at if the Titans had exercised Corey Davis's fifth-year option, it would have cost them $15.6 million versus Julio Jones' contract right now, which is 15.3. So it's about the same thing. Like I said, no risk at all. It doesn't matter to them. 
at Julio's peak, he's worth far more than a two. Yeah. He's probably worth uh, around what Cleveland paid for OBJ, which is a one and a three. And again, on his peak, he has the ability to turn the Titans offense into a versatile and downright unstoppable machine. But unfortunately, Julio Jones has not been that guy for a couple of years. Mm. And uh, he still adds an element to the offense that wasn't there, especially when you talk about his deep ball ability. His, his presence is enough to kind of draw some attention to him on the field. And I know that there's a stat that Julio does really well against eight man boxes and that, you know, you got to put it, you got to try to stop Derrick Henry. You got to try to stop Julio Jones. Well, yeah. I think this offense and AJ Brown. Is, and AJ Brown. I, I like AJ Brown a lot, but me too. This offense really only goes as far as Derrick Henry goes. So in regards to the Titans Super Bowl chances, which is what I think the aspiration, it moves the middle the needle to me very little. Hmm. hmm. That's kind of interesting. I don't think it's it's just on Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill had a really solid year last year actually. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree, but I think when you with Ryan Tannehill, we were joking during their their playoff run that he was throwing like three passes for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that they ask him to do, and I know it's a new coordinator going into this year, but they don't ask him to throw the ball a bunch of times. Are you taking the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands that much? He just rushed for 2,000 rushing yards. I mean, do you think that with, like, I don't know, do you think that with Julio, like, you just, because you have another weapon in the passing game, like, you can just mix it up a little bit more and, like, maybe take some of the load off of Henry because, yeah. like, yeah, he ran for 2,000 yards. Yeah, he's the best running back in the NFL, but you want to keep him around for a while. The shelf life of running backs is pretty short in the NFL, and so like, yeah. maybe you add, with a guy like Julio pairing with A.J. Brown, like it's a pretty dynamic receiving core. What? Yeah. I, why? Why? I would, I, would rebut, I would rebut and say the Titans, or the Ravens, right, in their playoff game were kind of able to bottle up Derrick Henry's rushing attack. And and they asked, I mean, Ryan Tannehill threw 30, 30 attempts a game, like on average, making kind of Luke, to Lucas's point, like making the offense more multi-dimensional is good when you have a running back who's not going to last that long, which means your window's not going to be open that long. Julio's window's not going to be though open that long either. So why does it matter? Like just go, go out and go big for it right now. You know what I mean? I think it does move the needle like pretty well. <clears throat> So you are they your favorite to win the Super Bowl, Jared, in the AFC? They're not my they're not my favorite. I mean, the Chiefs are still there, right? But <laughs> they they could make a championship game for sure. Like they got to make it through somebody like the Browns, which you know that's a toss up. They could do it. Well, when I look at the rest of the AFC, I would pick the field over the Titans, especially maybe even in that division. If if let's say the Colts also have a resurgence where Julio makes his peak and the and Wentz makes their peak, I would still pick the the Colts to win that division over the Titans. Mm. Really? If both players, just because a team just traded for a big name doesn't mean they're the next favorite to win the Super Bowl or make the Super Bowl or make it even further. Yeah, I think it, it definitely adds yeah. an element, but I'm not pushing them any further than they have before. Yeah, but what do you think the chance? Like, I think the chances of Julio making a resurgence are a bit higher than Carson making a resurgence. For sure. I think I think Carson's a bit like okay, maybe he's not a lost cause, but I'm not sold that he's gonna ever return to his what like sophomore year kind of um, numbers. Like, so I still think they're the favorites in their division. But Julio is still an aging veteran, and he's had a yeah, handful of injuries in the last couple of years, and that's the biggest thing with Julio. He's a he's a great he's obviously he's a Hall of Fame receiver. He's one of the all time greats. But as far as a guy who's been able to stay on the field, it, he has not been that guy. Mm-hmm. The reason why Calvin Ridley looked so good last year is because he played like five or more games. I don't remember the number. A handful of games without Julio Jones, and that's been his problem: hamstring injuries, injuries to his feet, a, a handful of other things that have just taken him off the field. And that's definitely it's probably what ruined his chances of staying in in Atlanta is because they just they can't do anything with him. They're paying him $15 million to, you know, wear bandages and sit on the bench. Yeah. Well, I don't think Atlanta's in a position where they need an aging, vet, a aging veteran like Julio Jones. Whereas I think the Titans who are really trying <laughs> to make a push, I think this is a good move. They're, yeah. They are the team that needs that kind of thing to maybe put them over the top kind of thing. Um, so I don't think the Falcon, like the Falcons kind of got robbed, but also like, they, I don't know, they didn't have a lot of leverage in the scenario because they couldn't really afford him anyway. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's a good move from the Titans. Like, I don't think he's going to be, you know, what, like five years ago, Julio Jones. But his last, like, full season, I think in 2019, he played most of the year. 
and his numbers were good. I mean, he's, I think he had like, you know, 13 or 1400 yards receiving like that kind of thing. If he even just does like a thousand or plays three quarters of the season, he'll help them. Right. I mean, and with the 17 game season, I feel like you're going to see teams rest skill, like kind of rest skill position players a little bit. I think that's, I think that's definitely a possibility. 17 game season. Like they added a wild card round. Like only one team gets a buy now. Like it's just more games. You you might see like a, a, a an NFL version of load management in a way. That's a good question. Julio would benefit from it, I'm sure. But yeah, right? That's, yeah, he totally. I'm would. not convinced. He only that played nine games last year. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, I've read that part of the logic was literally just them wanting to keep up with the like the Chiefs of the world, basically, like where the playoffs are concerned. I don't even know. Like, Julio doesn't necessarily have to play a game in the regular season. I think what they care <laughs> about is for games where they can't run out the clock with Derrick Henry putting in work yeah. and they need to be able to put up points quickly. Like AJ Brown alone, cause they lost some receivers, right? AJ Brown alone mm-hmm. would have been stifled, but having both of them together now with how good we know, we talked about how good Tannehill was last year. Like now they actually might be able to hang, you know, 40 points on a team semi comfortably, which is important. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's one of the rare win win trades. Like Aiden was saying, like the Falcons couldn't really afford him. He had the weird call with um, Shannon Sharp, whatever. So they, they had so little leverage. And they still cleared his huge contract and got a couple of picks out of it. So it's like, yeah. are they going to be blessed to have two, like a like a 10-year All-Pro in one direction and a 10-year All-Pro in this direction with Kyle Pitts? Maybe. It's kind of funny. I think, yeah, they shouldn't be too down on this, I think. What do you think is the outlook for the Falcons next year? Are they like a four-win team? Or still a they... four-win team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, because their offense was already their strong suit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. So, but Dan know. Quinn is out of the building. That's true. So. That's true. Right. He's I about guess. to freaking rile up that Cowboys defense. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Rally the troops. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, for the Falcons, yeah, I think that they're probably fighting the, the Panthers for the bottom of that division. But I. With Sam Darnold? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Did you say that was a good thing? Yeah. <laughs> I was. I'm surprised. But you know, I think that there's kind of that you do the thing, you give Matt Ryan a good goodbye, where you you're like he can throw for 4,500 passing yards, and then by the time you retire, your stats look great, and you know everyone or people say Matt Ryan's got some juice left, and they trade him away for a ch- to a championship team, and hopefully something happens, but. I think that this is going to be all about developing Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts going forward sure. for Atlanta. And they're kind of moving into their reboot slash rebuild stage of their franchise. Yeah. yeah. So like Bart said, I think it's a win-win for the Titans. I think it just, it doesn't push them over the edge into Super Bowl because they were already there as far as AFC championships go. Okay. Fair enough. Similar nods to the group. <laughs> and then this is the part where we cue the tribute to Lucas whose power just continues to go out <laughs> uh, like Lucas we're shutting down uh, this is the end of the episode <laughs> go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter we post a lot of content on there a lot of quotes from the show things for you guys to interact with and go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts we do episodes every single week if you're a new uh, listener. And if you aren't a new listener, subscribe and tell your friends and share the word. We love having everybody listen to the show. We really appreciate everything. Thank you very much and see you next week.